Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. Today's episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money around the world, which is huge for travelers. I've been a customer and a fan for 10 years. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, and they do it all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This service has been so critical for me in my life as a traveler, as a nomad, as somebody living abroad, and you can join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account can help you out on the road at wise.com slash travel. That's wise, W-I-S-E dot com slash travel, or download the app. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Sometimes when we're considering how to move forward in life, we can look back to find inspiration and motivation. In the case of travel, I was very inspired by the story you're going to hear today, A Race Around the World, the true story of Nellie Bly and Elizabeth Bisland, two female journalists who raced each other around the world in 1889. There's a new podcast about it, and we have its creator here today, Adrian Bain, to share that story, and plenty of others, her time out on the road interviewing strangers for her personal podcast, and we talk about storytelling. You'll hear one of my big travel mishaps, and much more all in this episode right now. So buckle up, strap in. Thanks for being here, and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey, what's up? It's Jason here with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for hanging out. Letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. A little slice of travel history today as we talk about this race around the world. We'll link up to that podcast if you want to hear the entire story, but you're going to get a a bit of an overview on it today, as well as a deeper discussion with Adrienne Bain. You might know her from her travel podcast, Strangers Abroad, and she's the creator of this new narrative nonfiction podcast, A Race Around the World, The True Story of Nellie Bly and Elizabeth Bisland, which is out now. And think about it. This is 1889. You can't just hop a flight overseas. You, you need to travel by boat. It's a, it's a pretty intense journey, and I don't think that solo female travel in this way was really common back then, and there are a lot of nuances and lessons to this journey, I think, that can really inspire us today. So I was really excited to have Adrienne on to share her journey, creating this podcast, why she did it, a bit about this story, as well as her own personal journey and how travel fit in to that. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Don't forget... Sign up over at zerototravel.com slash newsletter for all the latest and greatest episodes and links. I try to send out some helpful stuff in the weekly newsletter, and it's free. You can sign up over there if you haven't done so. Let's get into this episode. Thanks for listening, and I'll leave you with a quote on the other side to wrap it up. Please enjoy my conversation with Adrian. appreciate you taking the time to get up or this is not your normal waking hours I guess are you a are you a late riser normally I I honestly don't know because my family gives me a hard time I feel like I wake up at 7 30 I lie in bed for like maybe half an hour I'm being a little too generous on myself I lay in my bed for like 40 40 minutes and then I get up and I like work out and everything. The thing that is different for me as an artist is that I usually don't talk to people until noon. 
Um, because that is when I, I find that like my mornings are when, um, I'm my most creative. And if I, if I text or email or like take calls during this time, I'm a little bit like, oh my God, my brain is not catching up to my mouth yet. Or my mouth is not understanding what my brain wants to say. And I also find that like my creative voice is most clear in the morning. Um, so it's not that I don't get up early. I just don't talk to people this early. So I am a little <laughs> bit like, can she do it? Um, but, uh, no, it'll be, it'll be great. And I, I am also just very honored to be on this show. Cause I've wanted, it's like the granddaddy of podcasts. And I was like, I'll get up at 4am. I'll do it. If I need to do it outside, like next to construction, I'll do it. You know, <laughs> stop it. Oh, well, I mean, we would have had you on a while ago. If I knew that it's only the granddaddy because I've just been around so long and I'm so old. That's, <laughs> that's really what it comes down to, but I should formally welcome you to the show. Adrian Bain. Welcome to the zero to travel podcast. I should say that. Thank you. We actually met in person a, a while I back. Know. In New a York City. A million years ago. Yeah, I remember that. Um, what year was forget. that? Because I was thinking about that. It was probably just a couple of years into the podcast. I don't remember, but you were, I know you were really interested in, at the time, in starting, I think we talked about you starting your own podcast. And well, as it turns out, <laughs> Strangers oh Abroad, my God. you started yeah. your podcast. It's another travel yes. podcast, which is great, where you interview people that you just meet on the road. And we can talk about that. And now you have this new series a Race Around the World, The True Story of Nellie Bly and Elizabeth Bisland. Hopefully I'm pronouncing all that correctly. So yeah, so I want to talk about that and a whole bunch of other stuff today. Congratulations on everything. It's cool when somebody comes up to you and they're like, hey, I want to do this thing. And then like you connect <laughs> years later and you're like, they did all these things. <laughs> yeah. It is. Yeah. It's been a huge labor of love. If you don't love it, it's not going to get done. What is it? They say that like do the thing that you would do for free, um, which I very much have been doing this for free. It's all I want to be doing, you know? Yeah, I guess I can give a little breakdown of my first series and then like the little evolution of like how I came upon this season. I guess I wanted to hear about your first transformative trip because Ugh. that's always kind of the thing that I think hooks people into the longer term life of travel. And I'm just wondering what that was for you. Great question. Um, so I had never left the country until I was like 19 years old. And I was really jonesing to go on like a study abroad trip. And I just didn't want to go to any of the places that everybody had already been been to, but I didn't speak another language confidently enough to like live in Argentina, you know? So I just didn't want to like study abroad in London or Paris. I'm like, I'm sure they're all great places, but I just want something different. And I had a really phenomenal study abroad advisor. I thought of her as my spirit guide for a really long time because she kind of found all of these places for me to like explore. Um, so the first place I ever went to was Prague in what was then the Czech Republic is now Czechia. But I have friends who are in the Czech Republic who are still like, we just call it the Czech Republic. But when I was there, it was the Czech Republic. And I didn't even know where it was on a map. You know, I was like, it's somewhere off in Europe. I landed in like January. But if you've been to Prague, and I'm also Czech, so I was, I have a little bit of a like family connection there. I don't really know much about that side of my family. The other parts of my family were like well known, but I have Czech Hungarian genes in me, heritage in me. So I was like, this is a more interesting exploration. And if you've, to anybody who's never been to Prague, it is a fairy tale princess. All of the places that people describe as like, oh, Europe is such a fairy tale. It's Prague. Paris does not look like that. Barcelona is pretty. It doesn't look like that. Like Prague is like all of the beautiful red rooftops, these insane lavender, soft pink, blue, Rococo city architecture. It is so stunning. And it's so old. And I had never been to a place that was older than the country that I had come from. And I really like felt that. But I think the thing for me was a, Prague is beautiful, and I love, like, a pretty place. It was just so different than anything I'd ever seen before. 
But the part that I missed the most about it was just being able to like walk alone and explore at my own pace. I would leave for class a little bit earlier. And I, to be fair, I was living in like a very ex-communist cement block building for dorms um, <laughs> that like reeked of like stale beer and cigarettes. But that adds to the experience, right? I mean, that's part of the that's part of it. Let's, you know, post Iron Curtain Baby, I would just get up and I would go on these really long walks to my school, which was on the other side of the river. I was staying really right behind um, the castle, for those of you who know the lay of the land. Um, so I'd just take these long walks and I would walk over the Charles Bridge or like I'd walk over all of these other bridges. For me, what it was, was this sense of independence. I'm 19. I'm kind of stopping being a kid now. And I'm in a country that like, I really can't speak the language here. And I remember I had to like renew my health insurance maybe like four months in. And I took the train by myself and I fumbled through, do you speak English in Czech? And I like did it. And I was like, oh my God, if I can get health insurance in the Czech Republic, like I think I can go to more places. I look at Prague like my first boyfriend, just this unrequited love. We're too young for this kind of like love and intimacy right now, but you will always be my first. So great, great question. (laughs) One of my backpacking mishaps happened in Prague. I stayed up all night, basically hanging around doing doing the parting thing. And then uh, in the morning, when it was time to go home, whatever, (laughs) when it was rush hour, basically, I I had to wait till then because in the middle of the night, I don't know if if it was this way when you were there, but they changed the numbers of the trains and the trams, like, or at least they did then. It was like, whatever number I took in didn't exist to take back until seven the next morning or whatever. I basically got lost, was not able to get back to the hostel, which was 20 minutes outside of town and had to wander around with these two brothers until four in the morning. Then we got split up. And then the other one and I wandered around to like six in the morning and finally found it was like just, yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. So that was one of my many fond That's memories. So of. I vaguely <laughs> remember that. I vaguely remember that. Also, the Czechs have like a history of swapping stuff around. I think when the Velvet Revolution was happening in 1989, um, the Russians were coming in to like squelch it. So... Prague is located furthest from Russia on the in the country. So as the Russians were like encroaching upon eastern what was then Czechoslovakia, all of the Czechs through radio, uh, they called each other and they were like, swap all of the signs in your town. The signs where it's like, Prague this way, you know, uh, Bohemia this way. They just swapped them all around to confuse the Russians. I kind of love that this is a thing for them. The Czechs have a strange sense of humor. So this totally tracks that that would have happened. I don't remember (laughs) that specifically. I don't know. I feel like we walked home like a lot. So because I think we were just like the the trams were too unreliable. That's probably why we walked home so much. (laughs) Yeah, it was probably less the city. They they probably had a really good plan. It was more of the clueless backpacker that didn't pay attention to the the correct way to get home and didn't have Google Maps at the time or anything like that. Dude, but anyway, transit is that's a- <laughs> public transit in other places is really confusing. Takes a minute. So yeah, there's yeah, yeah. yeah but it's amazing how uh, experience like that, like you you came back to the experience of all of the experiences you had in Prague. You talked about going to get health insurance as being this huge confidence booster. But those are the things when you're traveling that you start to realize like it can be whatever somebody else listening, their version of going to get health insurance is or whatever. When you have this epiphany where you're like, oh, I can be a resourceful person. I can figure things out. And that really does open up the world in a different way because you start to see, wow, if yeah, if I if I have the confidence to kind of like not have any clue how to do this and get it done, what else can I do? What else is possible? And I mean, Absolutely. I guess it sounds like you were off and running with traveling then. You were yeah. hooked in. I mean, what was the what was kind of the next stuff for you? I'm not sure what what the timeline was when you started Strangers Abroad and how that came. Yeah. I could talk about the evolution of, of kind of like 
your life of travel and yeah. how, how you oh ended my up God. doing the show. Literally my favorite thing to talk about. So I think the thing about Prague was that I really did realize, oh, the world is much larger than I could have ever anticipated growing up in like the woods of upstate New York. I was just really jonesing to get out. So I did a little bit of backpacking around um, when I was studying abroad, but I was like, I just didn't do enough. So I graduated college um, two years later, and I just booked a one-way ticket to Paris. And I did the more like traditional vagabonding, um, did a lot of work away and stayed in a bunch of different places. I was jumping around the Schengen visa so I, or like the Schengen area so I could like extend how long can I like push it. Um, and so I stayed out for about six months and I went from Turkey to Morocco to Sweden. And there's like a handful of random European countries I have not been able to do. I kind of just want to do the like cleanup trip where I'm like, I want to go to Portugal, Switzerland, never done it because it's like a flyover state. And the Alps are like in other countries. Um, Norway, I really want to go to Norway. My dad just got his genealogy and... um I'm two point. I'm two percent Norwegian, so I got to do the heritage tour. So there's like a little collection of places that I do still really want to go to, and I'm glad that I have an excuse to like keep exploring. Um, I mean, the thing that really settled for me in that trip was that I was like, wow, I have been really lucky to see like a lot of beauty. I've been really lucky to see a really beautiful side of the world, and I know all of it isn't this. And I would feel really silly if I didn't put myself in experience that forced me to reckon with the like struggles of life. So I did an AmeriCorps program because I wanted to like kind of get into my own country for a little bit. So I worked at an HIV center, um, an HIV day center in Portland, Oregon. So I was like, I'm still traveling, you know, we're like West Coast now. And it was definitely like the hardest year of my life doing social work. But I met so many beautiful humans during that time. But I also met a, a person who was not very beautiful. I ended up in a relationship that was not uh, the most respectful or nice. And I was living very far away from home. And I really just was so confused with what I wanted to do at the end of the AmeriCorps program. So the relationship that I was in was not very healthy. And I was like, maybe if we like travel it'll fix everything. It was really looking for an escape hatch. And I just actually didn't know how to like leave on my own because I really didn't have much of a support system out West. You know, all of my life is in New York. So I was like, maybe if we go to Mexico, that'll fix things. And it wasn't until I was crossing the border that I realized the concept of boundaries. And I was like, oh, I actually don't think this relationship is going to work out. Um, so I did not like being in that relationship. And I remember before we left for Mexico, I was looking at my iPad I was obsessed with podcasts at the time. They were really kind of the only thing that kept me above, really keeping my head above the water, like emotionally speaking, because um, I really didn't have that many friends. And I found it was really hard to make friends in your mid-20s where everybody else seemed to be like pretty settled in their life. Um, so I was listening to a ton of podcasts and I have an acting background and I had really scoffed that part of my life off. So I remember looking at GarageBand and having the novel thought that nobody else had in the early 2010s and was like, oh, I think I could make a podcast. Um, and so I made my podcast off of a broken iPad. Um, and the trip was that I was going to go from, again, it was going to be another backpacking and I was going to do like a work away all the way down. And I was headed towards this um, chocolate shop in Peru. Like I really, that was like my North Star. I was like, I'm going to get there. And my boyfriend at the time and I, we flew to Mexico. We had a breakup, the most telenovela 
breakup. Like it started in Mexico City. It ended in Oaxaca. And at a certain point, we are like screaming at each other on the streets and like sit down to like take a breath. And this man comes out of nowhere, puts down a half drunk bottle of tequila and like steps away from us. And it's like, yeah, we really, we really like need this right now. So it was heated. Um, And so we eventually parted ways and I was so low. I've never been lower in my life than being separated from him. I had really lost the independence and I'd really lost the excited woman that I was backpacking around Europe. And like the crazy thing about it was that when we left from uh, Belize, we went to Cape Cocker and then we parted ways. And then I was going to rattle all the way down Central America, Colombia, Peru. Um, and after backpacking by myself, when I was younger, all throughout Europe and stuff, I was sitting in this bus headed to Guatemala as a 24-year-old and was like, oh, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can do this alone. But the other thing that I also did here was my voice for the first time in a really long time because um, he had really gotten in there and it felt like such a breath of fresh air. So the thing that I can reflect on now is that that whole podcast experience wasn't just like, oh, I should make a podcast, but it was like, I really needed to find my voice and I really needed to figure out what is this about. So the show is I interviewed strangers, locals, other travelers, maybe the work away, the workaway people that was that were hosting me. I interviewed them, but it was also kind of just trying to figure out what is this whole life about? Like it's a very early 20s project, but I hear that she's really going for something, you know. Um, but the other thing was that I started writing and I started writing these cold opens in the style of Snap Judgment, which I was so obsessed with at the time, and writing some kind of cold open about where am I? What is the scenery? Who are these people? And how did I get here? So the show follows me from Mexico to Peru. And I do make it to Peru. And I end up meeting these incredible women um, who are from all over the world. And we worked in this chocolate shop together. And <laughs> there was something just so, it felt really, I have grown up with a lot of women. So like, it was extremely nurturing for me to be like surrounded by a lot of women who were very supportive of each other um, and supportive of their travels who were also like just out there being their like very independent and creative selves. And it was amazing. And I just remember by the end of it being like, oh, I am in enjoying who I am here. Like I didn't enjoy the person that I was in the in the relationship. So then I flew back to New York. I met you and I was like, I want to do something with all of this audio that I have. So um that is how the first season of Strangers Abroad happened. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's crazy. I, I had no idea with the the background and the relationship and what a gift to have that audio. And you can hear oh my God, yeah. in real time as you're working through through this with uh, on your journey, uh, but with uh, other people and interactions and, and how the the trip itself. I love that the chocolate shop was the North Star. I just like that. Yeah. <laughs> End destination is a chocolate shop. Oh my shop. God. <laughs> I like can't eat Hershey's anymore. I'm like, this is plastic. Like I've become a pure snob. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it was a really... It was a sweet ending, as one would say, uh, which is a cheap line, but. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, a good peanut butter cup never hurt anybody. A oh, I love Reese's a pe peanut Don't butter cup. No. I will take a Reese's, but. <laughs> we'll get back to the interview in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the US Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just 
just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go to learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash altitude go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. With seven drive modes, the Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why We're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Now, back to the show. Yeah, so from an artistic or a creative perspective, finding your voice, you know, through podcasting, through writing, through storytelling just with friends. I think this is advice that can apply to anybody. Stories matter. I know at the heart of it, you are passionate about storytelling when it comes down to it. And, you know, this can definitely tie in with the story you're telling with a race around the world. Before we get to that, just the idea of finding your voice. What did you learn during that process? And is there any, you know, advice or just practical tips or really anything you want to share around that? Because I think that's a, that is an important journey. Oh, yeah. Um, great question. I definitely think it's very to each person. You should really test a lot of different forms of creativity. Um, so for me, I definitely didn't even acknowledge that I was a writer until well after I had met you. And yeah, I don't think I had like really admitted that to myself, but something that I did find that worked really well for me was I had this really great apartment and my roommate, I am my most productive in the mornings. So, and I had a roommate who was a preschool teacher, so he would be gone and I would have the mornings all to myself. And I noticed that When I didn't give my energy to other people so quickly, I hear my voice. It feels like a little like the mad artist, you know, but like I hear my voice clearest in the morning. And I realized that I kind of needed to protect that. So um, I think we were saying earlier, I found that works best for me is that like I do not text, call, check email, have like a cute little chat in the morning. I used to be way more of a diva about this. I've loosened up with it. Um, but I really wouldn't talk to people until like about noon. And I got really into writing pages, uh, morning pages. And um, so that's like when you just write out all of your, you wake up and you're like, I'm getting all of my gunk out of my brain. So then you're just clearing the path for the voice to like, get out of the woods. And I just loved the feeling of writing. Oh my, it just felt really good on a level that I hadn't expected because I had always been playing somebody else's character when I did theater. I never thought that it's only in this time because I also do like live storytelling. So I tell my stories on stage, um, my true stories on stage. I, it took me a long time to kind of realize that like I am my own best 
character. Um, and I just kind of like being a slightly more exaggerated version of myself. So I definitely went through the gambit of every single kind of creative book. I've also found that running for me really gets me in the flow. Swimming really gets me in the flow. So I usually work out. I get up, I work out immediately and I meditate. And then as I'm having breakfast, I will do my morning pages and I still have to like resist the no texting or anything. You can't see it, but like behind me is a list of, is a row of all of my writing books that are always right within reach. One of the best writing books that I've read recently is A Swim in, I'm looking at it right now, A Swim in a Pond in the Rain by George Saunders. He's short story, he's fiction, but his process is so great, even if you're just working in memoir, which I am most comfortable in. I guess when it comes to like storytelling, it really is just like any other craft where like you do have to do it for a thousand times before it gets good. So like when I go on stage and I'm working out a new story, I know I'm going to bomb. And I don't care that I'm going to bomb because once I get it out of my system and there's something about having other people hear it that I know, okay, I know how to make this better. I can feel where the audience didn't pick up on that. In podcasting, you don't get that live feedback, unfortunately. I think with writing is also being like a really critical editor and knowing what is true to you, cutting the lines that don't, aren't like necessarily feeding like the larger story, even if it's like a great joke that you wrote or like it's a great little anecdote. If I'm telling a story about backpacking down to Peru, I'm not going to start suddenly talking about being at my grandmother's table and putting wigs on, even if it's like a cute little anecdote. For me, I'm like, what is the story? Know the bones of the story and cut all of the fat off of it because something I really learned with doing a race around the world is that the story will kind of tell itself if you get out of its way. You don't need a lot of sprinkles on it in order for it to still be compelling and really good. You just have to like know the beats and know where like the emotional heart of it is and love it. So you got to do it. I feel like with stories, it's just, it's another muscle, you know, and read. I read everything. This is really pretentious what I'm about to say, but I try to read The New Yorker from cover to cover because it's like the best writing. Find the people's voices that like you love that emulate kind of your voice and read a lot of their stuff. So for travel writing, my number one go-to is Bill Bryson's A Sunburnt Country. I've never been to Australia. I would love to go. But he writes this on... Have you read any of his stuff? Yeah. Yeah. He's so funny and he's able to like weave in his historical anecdotes in his life. And he is just so funny. And that is like what I am always trying to go for in my writing is I love pulling the past in to today, because like, if you know your history, like you kind of understand how the world works a little bit. So find the people that you love who you're like, I like the way that this cadence is and read everything that they have. But I will say when it comes to like the process, just to like give a comparison, um, my fiance, who's also in writing, he does night pages. He sits down, lights a candle he like uses nice pens and like does it all at night. And for me, I'm like the urge to write at night is so non-existent. Figure out what your process is and then don't derail from it. I've been doing my morning routine for like, oh my God, how old am I? Seven years now, you know, and I like haven't changed. <laughs> you know, if you feel like you need to judge it up, find something, but I know it works and here we are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the practical advice of finding your your sweet spot, let's say time-wise for you, it's in the morning and protecting that time, you know, even just that one piece of advice is great to carry forward. I mean, one of the things about finding your voice in any creative endeavor, any artistic expression, let's call it, part of it to me is also just figuring out the ways that you can express your authentic self 
and marrying that with the creative work. You know your authentic self is in there and you're trying to have some kind of physical representation of it, let's say, or digital representation, whatever you want to call it. That's part of the fun and also part of the challenge to put your unique stamp on it really doesn't mean, oh, I have to be better than everybody else or I have to be it like this person or that person. I think it to me, it just means it's how can I infuse enough of my authenticity into this, essentially? Totally. And you can hear when people are mimicking other people pretty quickly. You can kind of feel, ah, you're just trying to sound like David Sedaris right now. There is no shame in like- no knowing that you have to kind of go through that when you find the people, you know, like the best comics or like the best docu-series podcasters or writers, like their voice is so indistinguishable from anybody else's. There's definitely like play, but know that the goal is to have a clear path between what is in your heart and how to get it onto the page or into a mic or on stage. So absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's can be a, a useful exercise to get inspired by somebody's, let's say we used Bill Bryson as an example, his comedic twists or the way he writes and be like, oh, I want to grab some of that and put some of that in. But then you just kind of mix it in with who you are and see what comes out. And it's a, it's a nice thing to do. Well, I mean, this race around the world this was uh, a story that really inspired you. I could explain what it is, but you're here. So sure. <laughs> we should have you explain <laughs> what this story is. And then just to give people an overview and, of course, where they can find it. And then I want to I ask you about, well, I guess the, I can ask you the question now is why is it important to tell this story? Like, what do we have to learn from it today? Oh, my God. Great. I'll give you kind of like the long form of like how I got to this story. The second season of Strangers Abroad came out March of 2020, which as we all know, 2020 was a great year for travel. So I quarantined upstate with my boyfriend, now fiance, and we would just take these really long walks around upstate because there was nothing to do and we were tired of looking at screens. Ideally, you want to marry somebody who you could talk to for four hours and you've only been talking to them for like two weeks, you know? So he is also very like, storytelling, creative-minded as well. I was really jonesing. I had liked doing my second season. It was all like thematic stories. But I was really jonesing to do a serialized story. I was listening to so many more podcasts because um, we had you know nothing else to do. And I was listening to a lot of serialized stuff. And I thought that that was really cool about how can you just go from one episode to another and continue on the journey, like not doing it in one 15-minute segment? I was actually reminded of how in my first season, I met this man in Bocas del Toro, Panama, and he had won the world record for going to every single country in the world without flying. He won like the British version of Survivor, the British version of Survivor. So was it Graham Hughes? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I bumped into him. And this is when I'm like 24. I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm like, I have this podcast. Do you want to be on it? I just was like, I really want to hear your story. And he was like, the reason I only said yes to you <laughs> was because you were very interested in the story. And so during that interview, he mentions the Nellie Bly race. And I just popped out and had been submerged for like, I don't know, five years. And, and so I started looking into it and it's not one. So the story is that Nellie Bly who is an investigative journalist in 1889. She, based out of New York, she has this idea to mimic the Jules Verne book, A Race Around the World in Under 80 Days. And it's like the dawn of yellow journalism. She's working for Joseph Pulitzer, who would later become the Pulitzer Prize. Um, and all they want is a longstanding piece. And the journalism world had been so revved up at that point. Publishers just wanted 
newspapers in everybody's hands. They wanted people glued to the news because they just want to sell more papers. And they were already jaded from the male perspective. And women at the time really could do very little in like any kind of social sphere, especially if you were a poor woman um, or a woman of color. So Nellie elbows her way into working for Joseph Pulitzer's newspaper, um, The New York World. And she's like, oh, what if we did? I think a year into her working there, she's like, what if I raced around the world in under 80 days? And they were like, that's a cute idea. Uh, Maybe. You're a woman, so like, uh, it should probably be a dude. You're going to have too much stuff. Women have a lot of stuff. You're going to have, uh, I don't, it's probably too much more of a, it's too much of a like liability. So she's like, Ugh, whatever. So a year goes by and she goes back to her regular beat. And then she is pulled out of her bed one fall evening. Cause her editors are like, we need you in the office right now. And she gets in and they're like, how quickly can you get ready to go around the world? And she's like, I can start this minute. And so she's given 56 hours to get ready to go around the world, which let me remind you, there are no vaccines. The communication is all through telegrams. When she's on a boat, because there are no flights back then, you know, she's on a boat throughout the Atlantic for like, 16 days in crossing the Pacific takes like well over two weeks, you know? So like there is no way to communicate and the Titanic hasn't even happened yet. So (laughs) this is the world that she is about to explore. So she's like, great, I'm ready. Bags are packed. She literally just has one grip sack, which I so resonate with because I have the dirtiest backpack that has been to every single country with me that I've had since I was 19. And I refuse to give it up. Anyways, so I just, I really loved that she was like, I I need one bag in order to sprint from one connection to the other. So on November 14th, 1889, Nellie Bly gets on a ship towards London. And she's like, ah, oh, I'm racing against time. And as she is leaving the Hudson, a ferry going from Jersey City to Manhattan has the editor of Cosmopolitan Magazine, what we know today as Cosmo, like, you know, 90 calorie cocktails and like all of that kind of stuff. And he, this man, um, John Brisbane Walker, reads the news that a woman is racing um, Phileas Fogg, Jules Verne's character around the world. And he's like, huh. His paper was doing really poorly. So he's like, if I send my own woman around the world, it'll sell more of my papers. It's literally like a binders filled with women kind of a moment. So he just plucks his literary writer, Elizabeth Bisland, who has no taste for going around the world. She is not interested. He pulls her into his office that same morning that Nellie leaves. And um, he's like, how quickly, (laughs) quick question, um, do you think it'll take you to get ready to go to San Francisco? Is like 6.30, is 6 6 p.m.? Is that like cool for you? And she's like, in God's name, what are you talking about? And apparently they have a fight so insane that he just like threatens to fire her by the end. And I like to think that she's like, you know what? Being on the other side of the world would be great right now as long as I'm away from this guy. So Elizabeth, she's a poet. She brings like a steam trunk and all of that kind of stuff because she's like, I don't want to do this. This is actually insane because again, women don't have rights. There's no vaccines. There's no Google Maps. There's no anything, you know? And they both go totally alone. Like they don't have a male companion. They are given letters to give to like steamship or train officials to be like, yo, I'm a female all by my own self. Uh just look out for me, but like, that's it. (laughs) So, um, Elizabeth on the same day, she rallies together and she gets on a train headed to San Francisco. So Nellie goes East, Elizabeth goes West. They are so different in temperament. Like Nellie is a hard hitting journalist. Elizabeth is a poet. And 
you know, from a storytelling perspective, the great thing about it is that the fastest way around the world is the same direction. It's the, you like you hit the same spots no matter what direction you're going in. For me, I like broke up the whole series where in each episode, you kind of touch points with each woman and then they like cross over each other. And then you as the listener get to go back and re-experience the places that maybe Nellie was just there, but like Liz hasn't been there yet. And like you see it from a very different perspective. The events that happen to them are not crazy. And I feel like... The secret about travel, especially like long-term backpacking travel, is that it's actually kind of boring most of the time. You're just sitting on a bus in Peru for like 18 hours and like not much is happening. So for me, the real challenge was figuring out their emotional landscape. And their emotional landscape is very different. Um, And kind of like comparing that to like, yes, they are in Singapore, but Nellie is like, get me out of here. And Liz is like, oh my God, I want to stay here forever. Their moods about the trip really shift in their own way as well. You know, spoiler, they both make it back in under 80 days, uh, but I won't say who wins. I mean, you can Google it on Wikipedia, but the show is a little bit more of a wild ride. To go back to your question, like, why is this an important story? I mean, they both did the impossible. Nobody thought that women could do what they did. And it wasn't just one woman who did it, but two. And telling the story in 2023 is like, you know, women can do everything. Women can do anything. But here in America, like a lot of our rights um, are being encroached upon. And this idea that women can do everything has not been along for very has not been around for a very long time. And the world is still dangerous for women. Um, it is still, I will swear by this, in my lived experience, I find that the world is much more protective than predatory. Um, I find that a, most people are like looking out for you and are just curious about you because they know what the worst is and they want to make sure that that doesn't happen to you. That's not to say that bad stuff does definitely happen, but it's still not like a totally even playing field. So you can't just live on your couch because you're afraid. Both of these women change in like such amazing ways. The taste of independence for a woman is, I think, a little different because there is this socialization of taking care of the family and having like a lot of other people's emotional baggage. When you are alone and you're stripped from everything that you know, you hear your own voice so much clearer. I think they both, given like what they do afterwards, their voices get much clearer afterwards. You know, do what you want with your life. But I think that that is a really important gift to have that travel really like expedites is that you do really get to settle and figure out, oh, when I am not, when I don't have all of these other pressures around me, this is actually what I want. And this is actually what I love. And this is actually what I need to have in my life. I just want everybody to be able to like travel solo. I do think it is very imperative for female uterus owning individuals. But so if you're afraid to travel, imagine having six hours to like get ready because your boss is yelling at you to go around the world and your job has like nothing to do with travel. If Elizabeth Bislin can do it, I think I think everybody has like a fair shot because we have Expedia, <laughs> you know. We'll get back to the interview in just a moment. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press. But I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago. And immediately I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks So they also make an exceptional gift, thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, 
you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people, on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me. Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Now, back to the show. What an incredible story. Wow. I mean, I want to ask you more about their journey, but I don't want to ruin the the series because then there'll be a lot too many spoiler alerts. But when you were saying they were arguing, I was just imagining the boss being like, I'm going to need you to go to around the world. See, isn't that how they talked back in? A hundred percent. I I was exactly. Uh, like, Why did they talk that way? I don't know, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. I cast someone to speak very similarly to that. I oh, should yeah. have said you do it. <laughs> That's great. Uh, as far as research, I'm just curious. I mean, you don't have to go too deep on it, but just wondering how you, how you tackled that. Is it, is it, just pulled from journals and obviously the articles they wrote and things like that? Yeah. So they both wrote firsthand accounts, which is great. The downside to it is it's a modern equivalent of gibberish. Like it is just so not a way that we speak anymore. So for me, I read both of their firsthand accounts and Nellie has much more like previously she wrote a lot more stuff than Liz did. Liz was like much more of an editor by the time she, um, she had her own job. So by the time she was working for Cosmo, so I definitely get like the thing that's really cool that I put in the first episode is that Nellie like goes, she convinces her editors. She starts working at the Pittsburgh dispatch and she convinces her editors to send her to Mexico city um, because there was a train that would take them from Pittsburgh to Mexico city. And she goes without a man, she does bring her mom, which I like love. Um, And so she like, gets to live there for five months. My new city love is Mexico City. I go there every winter because I cannot psychologically handle New York winters. Like February is 18 months long, emotionally speaking. I get my own flight and um, I love Mexico City so much. And I just also really love that like that was her first real taste out. So that's like two years or so before she um before she does the race around the world story so i was able to read that yeah they both wrote their own firsthand accounts and then there is this one book by matthew goodman that glues the two together and he has like a lot of extra like you know like long facts about like steamships and how time was basically created by the railroad companies unified time was created by the railroad companies like not the government or like the UN or whatever the equivalent of that would be. So um, really shows you who's <laughs> who's calling the shots. Um, so there is like all of that extra. But what I was saying before is the first few drafts of this series like had all of this extra meat on it. You know, like I had this whole thing about Queen Victoria and all that stuff. And at the end of the day, especially with podcast writing, just tell the story. Get out of your own way. It doesn't have to have the best jokes and it doesn't have to have the best flowery descriptions tell just sing it plain you know um so that is like where i'm at right now as i am retracking for the third time reading their firsthand accounts and then also like they don't really go into their feelings a lot but i definitely infer from my own firsthand experience as a solo female traveler traveling around in the 20 10s, 2020s, um, I definitely know what it's like to get like the weird, unwarranted marriage proposal out of nowhere. And I know what it feels like to, you know, feel like a real deep homesickness when like, you know, that you are just traveling further away. There's just so many things that they do experience that I'm like, I know what that feels like. 
I'm going to take the leap and assume that they probably felt pretty similar. So I definitely do say based on because also their accounts are really sticky. You know, there's this one scene where like Nellie literally lies about her age. And so like when it comes to memoir writing, we're all unreliable narrators with it. But like you kind of have to like be there in order to like understand because memory is malleable and like all of that stuff. But you know, it's just I wanted to say based on because their accounts are also pretty. Sure. Uh, yeah. Know? I mean, you have to take some artistic liberties to uh, yeah. create a, a compelling show. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Sounds I'm like a lot of work. I mean, a lot of work. So <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Um, but I wouldn't. I mean, there's definitely things that I would do differently next time. But for the most part, it's just I like love them now. Like I hang out with them more than most other people these days, you know. It's pretty interesting to yeah develop a friendship with a couple travelers that lived in the late 1800s. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. It's a lot of me just <laughs> cool. like talking to myself. But, you know, at the end of the day, like I just really want to do their story justice because what is honestly a little upsetting is like the around the world cliche. You know, it's on everything. It's on books. It's like around the world and 80 plants. And it's like, why do I need this? You know, and it's based off of a fictional story. Two people actually did it and they did it in under 80 days. And we don't, we don't talk about it. That is like the thing that I want the most is take what you want out of this. Women have been really written out of history and like, it's going to take a lot of work for us to write us back in. We haven't just been stirring stew this whole time. And it's been great that some women have been stirring stew this whole time. But this is like a time where so many stories about women and people of color and their contributions and their incredible contributions are finally being unearthed. The time is really great for it as well. You know, I don't know how receptive it would have been 20, 30 years ago, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. So for finding it, people... Just search A Race Around the World in any of the podcast apps, The True Story of Nellie Bly and Elizabeth Bisland, and we won't do any more spoilers here, but thanks for giving us the yeah. download. It's really cool to hear behind the scenes. Now, when you go to listen to it, you'll be able to get some context around how it was put together and you know what Adrian did to kind of bring these historical figures to life. You mentioned kind of unpacking big, concepts, big stories and cutting the meat off of them and getting to the heart of it. And I found a bunch of articles you wrote. So I was just wondering <laughs> if you could oh get, could we could do a couple quick hit questions here yeah, totally. based on some of the articles you've written, one of which was about introverts abroad, how to travel when you love being alone. And I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Oh my God, that's such an old article. That's great. No, that's great. Um, Part of the like, oh, I don't want to talk to people so early in the morning is because I'm for sure an introvert. I can chat people's ear off, but I need to lie down afterwards. I do get pretty drained from a lot of human interaction of anybody, you know, my family. Wow, I have not looked at that article in a very long time. I think a lot of that is just like feeling really comfortable with the aspect of being alone there's so many benefits to traveling solo. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, I'm so scared. I'm not going to talk to anybody. You being alone is so much of an anomaly. There is this channel that travelers just naturally go through. Like if you go through hostels or you go through workaway, you find yourself surrounded by other people who are doing things alone. And then you can hang out with them. Like these two brothers that you were bipping and bopping around in the early mornings of Prague. You do end up bumping into people, but it doesn't have to like seismically change your trip. You know, it's like, oh, great. I have like a companion to go on this bus ride with. I think there's something when it comes to traveling alone, it is really nice to be able to be like, I can get up when I want to. I can do what I want. And I can like kind of let the day surprise me. Sometimes there's things where I need to do this. I want to go to this museum. I want to go to this temple. But then other times it's maybe I just want to sit in this cafe for two hours. And when you are traveling with somebody, it is so rewarding in so many other ways. But it's also like a lot of compromising. You ideally want to find the person where those compromises are very easy or you're on the same page about things. But when you're doing it alone, it's so 
great to be able to let the world surprise you with like what it wants to present to you that day. It's the best. My fiance proposed to me and like three days later, I was on a flight to Mexico City by myself. And this is awesome. (laughs) Like He knows what he's signing up for. That ability to just let the world surprise you. I just, it's such, it's such a gift that you can really give yourself. Um, yeah, I can't remember any of the other little things that I said on there, but uh, that's great. No, I love the uh, let the day surprise me mindset. So if anybody's looking for a challenge for the rest of their day, if you're listening to this in the morning or late at night for tomorrow, let the day surprise you. Why not? You have an article that you wrote called How Travel Influences How We Fall in Love. You're engaged to be married. I'm just wondering if you recall that one and if you had any thoughts around that. What publication was that? <laughs> it was uh, something you put on LinkedIn. It was, a, it was a Strangers Abroad episode, it looks like. Oh, yes. So in the second season of my podcast, I... Each episode was a different theme and then lots of stories around that theme. So one of the ones that I did was around love and it was around, oh my God, I think the story that I told was when I was backpacking through Europe, I was so looking for a reason to stay and I thought, oh, just fall in love with somebody and then like they'll want you to live in Ireland or Norway or wherever. And I fell in love with this this Irish guy who had the best voice. And I just so wanted it to work. And I so didn't see it for like what it was, which is like, this is just like a cute little travel hookup. We were both in our early 20s. It wasn't meant to be at all, but I so wanted it to be. So I think I really angled that whole seri- that whole um, episode around that story and then interviewed people who did have like the really fun one night stands and the people who like traveled and actually did meet their soulmate, the person that they are married to today. Yeah. Let the day surprise you. <laughs> you never know who you're going to meet because you met your wife um, in like a hustle in like Brazil or something, right? Yes. So Yeah. I mean, everything you just said, if you travel long enough, you'll probably experience any and all of the above that you just mentioned. <laughs> now, I don't mean to, you know, dig up some old articles from the oh, past, but I just kind of wanted to hear, uh, hear some of your thoughts there. But uh, if you want to hear more, of course, the Strangers Abroad podcast. I mean, you tell everybody where they can find you and all the things. We mentioned the, the new series, but uh, if anybody wants to get in touch or, yeah, feel free to share whatever... Totally. So the race around the world will be under a different feed. It will be in the strangers. The first two episodes will be in the strangers abroad one. Um, So you can just type in strangers abroad into Apple podcasts or Spotify. I'm so used to saying Stitcher too, but like RIP Um, overcast, I think is like the new one. I don't know. Google play. Um, You can really find it wherever. And then a race around the world is also Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts. And if you want to email me, you can email me at strangersabroadpodcast at gmail.com or adrianbain at gmail.com. And uh, we've got the Instagrams. We're on TikTok and um, not on YouTube yet, but I should probably get to that. Um, So that is where you can find everything and anything. And I will be ruthlessly uh, talking, promoting and talking about this on all of those channels. So <laughs> glad we finally got to connect here. Thank you I so know. much for making it happen early. You know, I'm infringing on your morning routine, but we, we appreciate you letting us do that. And oh, it's so worth it. So Listen, worth it. Great way I'm not to wake a stranger. Up. But I am abroad, so if you pass through town, you want to do a little something, let me know. Uh, 100%. <laughs> I've never been to Norway, and it's really, like, top of the list. I want to do yeah. a fjord. I want the red rooftops. Let's do it. I was talking about annoying destinations uh, not too long ago, being uh, places that you've always wanted to go but haven't yet gotten to, and it's starting to annoy you. That's the... You know, I don't know if Norway's that for you, but there's certain destinations for me. I'm like, this is annoying me because I should have been there by now, and I haven't been there yet. <laughs> I think mine's India. It's like, it's so... It's so big. Like, why haven't I gotten there yet? I've done, like, the other... Like, I've done Southeast Asia and then, like, 
Turkey. That's like the closest that I've like gotten. So I think for me, India, um, I will say great thing about getting married is you get to go on a honeymoon and that I am planning more intensely than the wedding itself. (laughs) That sounds about right. Also, they used to call honeymoons (laughs) bridal tours. I feel like the implication is you tour your bride around. So that does kind of mean like going to a lot of places. Um, So yeah, we're like thinking Japan. And if we're already in Japan, we might as well go to Australia. Once you have the bug, the brain does not stop, you know? (laughs) That's great. Well, good luck with the wedding and have a blast on the honeymoon. And um, good luck with the series. And let's just stay in touch. Yeah, totally. Let me know when you're in New York. Will do. Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been a total delight. Thank you. There you have it. Thank you to Adrian for stopping by the show. We'll link up to all the good stuff in the show notes. I'll leave you with a quote to let you go. And I thought, why don't we pull one from Around the World in 80 Days, the book by Jules Verne. And this is a quote that transcends travel. I love this one. He said, quote, the chance which now seems lost may present itself at the last moment. You never know. (laughs) Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Peace and love to you and yours. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.